welcome to another MLEX podcast. I'm Laurel Henning, Senior Correspondent, and I'm speaking to you from our offices in Sydney. As we reach the end of the first month of 2019 and any denial that the new year is underway has been completely set aside, it's a good moment to consider what might be some of our biggest talking points for the year ahead. Looking back on 2018 in the area of activist investment, it was a roller coaster of a year. Activist funds launched more campaigns and won more board seats last year than ever before. But in terms of financial performance, and let's be honest, that's where the real success is measured, 2018 was the worst year for activist funds since 2011. The pressure is on then for 2019, and specifically for funds to add value to their portfolios. And that will surely be influencing funds when choosing the targets, their next targets, as well as deciding the tactics they will use when they reach the company gates. Here to discuss what lies ahead for activist investment, particularly in the US, is senior correspondent Jason Booth. And Jason joins me from our offices in New York. Hello, Jason. Uh, Hello, Laura. Jason, it's safe to say 2018 was a bit of a rough year for activist funds when it comes to their balance sheets. How did this year sit historically compared with other years? And is there any particular reason for why funds struggled for financial success in 2018? Well, as you point out, um, as far as returns are concerned, it was the worst on record uh, since 2012 and before that, I mean, sorry, 2011 and before that, uh, 2008. And, um, you know, the reasons for that uh, are several. Um, for one, with activist funds, they tend to have very concentrated portfolios. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't often have a lot of stocks in their portfolio and they tend to take risks on companies that are already in trouble. Um, so as a result, their losses tend to be sharper in the short term, at least, than other um, other investors. And some of the uh, markets or some of the industries that they typically were targeting uh, were hit pretty hard. One was the energy sector that uh, took a heavy hit at the end of last year and took down quite a few funds with it. Also, the trade wars uh, with China has had an impact. Mm. Uh, one notable one was Daniel Loeb's third point. It fell 11% um, last year, at the end of last year, um, partly because of its losses on United Technologies, which fell dramatically in the end of the year. And Tryon investors, headed by Nelson Peltz, uh, they lost about 6%, largely due to General Electric, which was down 56% for the year. Mm. And that was after such a headline campaign that he'd um, he'd had at General Electric, because that was pretty, um, that really hit headlines when that was going on. When was that, the earlier in the year or the previous year? Well, that was a couple of years ago, but it's a good example of how some of these funds can get long-term relationships with a company and, and pay the price. Um, mm. uh, Tryon actually has a director on the board of GE and um, uh, hasn't been able to turn the company around to date, though more recently there's some activity on the upside. And there must have been um, some success stories. What are what were some of the big highlights of 2019? Well, as you pointed out before, um, there were a lot. There was lots of activism. We had 226 companies um, targeted over, which have market cap of over 500 million. That was up from 188 the year before. Uh, we also had 161 board seats won, um, which is very important because it means uh, in, increased influence going forward. Starboard Value, for example, won uh, 29 board seats last year, wow. all through settlements, okay. uh, which was quite striking. Um, also had a lot of first-time invest activists. We had 40 first-time, um, first-timers, so to speak, up from 23 the year before, uh, which indicates that uh, you're seeing more broad, a broadening of the activism um, industry to companies or funds that 
previously might not have, and also smaller funds coming in. And um, as we've reported internationally, we've seen a lot of activity. Um, we had Elliott and Tyson Krupp um, last year, which ended up with a breakup, which was a big achievement for them. Um, Olympus Capital recently in Japan nominated uh, Robert Hale from Value Act onto their board, which was a big step forward. And, um, okay. you know, looking forward, uh, the, the losses in 2015 and 11 uh, for, followed by rebounds in uh, 16 and 12. So we're already seeing some rebounds um, among some of the funds. Okay, so just such a steep loss doesn't necessarily mean that a continued downward trend will occur. There are often, you know, there's normally a rebound after something like that. Well, quite often, yes. And, um, okay, okay. you know, the market has, has picked up a bit and uh, we've seen quite a bit of activity uh, in the activist space since the beginning of the year to take advantage of the buying opportunities from last year. Sure. So while we um, just started to talk a little bit there about um, about this year, um, will the losses posted by some major funds in 2018 diminish the influence of activists in 2019? We've kind of touched on this a little bit already here. Or could this lead to more activists looking um, in other jurisdictions, perhaps, where they haven't been active before? Well, yes. I mean, you've seen, I mean, a recent example is Jana Partners. Um, they sold off most of their stake in Jack in a Box, um, uh, despite the fact that they're trying to get people on the board. And, um, you know, they've cut it to a minimum, the minimum amount uh, allowed for them uh, based on their uh, their agreement with Jack in the Box in order to place someone on the board. And they're doing that um, apparently because they have suffered such losses uh, in 2018. So they've had to uh, shift their portfolio, so to speak. As for uh, influence, you know, it's interesting. This year is supposed to be a sort of a tipping point where you see some of the passive funds like Vanguard and BlackRock are holding as much uh, of, the, of the market as uh, active funds, which might sound like it would be detrimental to an activist fund, but in fact, it's the opposite. You know, these funds, they control a great many shares and they still need to vote in proxy contests and, mm-hmm. and each year for an annual meetings. But um, they typically follow the recommendations of the... Uh, advisory firms such as ISS and Glass-Lewis. Now, those firms are very likely or quite often uh, follow the the recommendations of activist funds. So the bottom line is, is as uh, you get more of the market concentrated in fewer hands, mm-hmm. it gives greater leverage for the activist funds to actually force changes at companies because they can get bigger support more easily than if they had to go out and reach out to tens of thousands of of smaller uh, individual or active investors. And then aside from sort of how funds might look at the the larger um, passive funds and things like that, but is is there a case of tweaking game strategies? And and also, let's think about perhaps particular industries that might be vulnerable looking at the year ahead. We talked briefly there about um, the energy industry when we were um, introducing the podcast. I wonder if you um, have any insights there. Yes, well, that's that's a good point. Um, First of all, I want to mention about jurisdiction um, as your your last question. You know, there's been a lot of activity internationally by U.S. activist funds, and you'll continue to see that. But because of the losses in the United States, there's maybe more buying opportunities here in the States. And it's quite likely you'll see actually more activity here in comparison to what you see overseas in, in 2019. So that's, that's one trend you might see. You mentioned energy. Yes, uh, energy was heavily hit, and we we're already seeing quite a lot of activity in that area. We've reported on the... Um, the situation with Rowan and Ensco, 
which is in, in Europe primarily the oil drillers, and how uh, Canyon Capital has been pushing them to improve the, the merger deal between the two. And in fact, they have. They've just announced that, that they're increasing the price. Uh, likewise, we have a case here with Penn Virginia trying to merge with Denbury Resources, which is being opposed by an activist called Mangrove Partners, which is an interesting case. Also, another area is e-commerce and uh, online companies, which is an area that uh, activists typically were not very big on. But in the beginning of the year, so far this year, we've seen three cases. We've seen Yelp, eBay, and Cars.com all come under activist attacks, which is kind of an indicator of possible interest in that area. As for tactics, mm-hmm. um, you know, as I said earlier, I mean, these funds have sort of an oversized influence on 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 the companies they target and um, yeah. so some of them might you'll probably see more of them trying to influence companies with smaller stakes uh, we recently seen try and um, go after PPG when they only have a 2.9 percent stake in PPG and starboard are going after Dollar Tree uh, has a very small stake in, the, mm. in that company but it's simply that the recognition of their track record um, winning 29 board seats last year is may be enough to to influence uh, the, the company and its other investors. Yeah. Also, um, you're quite likely to see uh, companies coming back to investments they already have, but have uh, fallen quite a lot and taking so-called second bite of the apple. GE is one that comes to mind okay. on that. And how might um, economy um, situations and markets um, affect um, what activists do this year? Well, if you talk about, I mean, if the a couple of things there. Um, if you see the economy continue to weaken, uh, you're going to see more restructuring situations taking place, and uh, you're likely to, mm-hmm. to see companies jumping into those uh, sort of situations to try to um, take advantage of it. Why? Why is that exactly? Why? Why are you more likely to see reorganisations in a weaker economy? Well, there's been a lot of debt. Uh, there's a lot of debt uh, outstanding on U.S. companies, and um, the economy has been very strong the last few years, and credit has been pretty easy. So, uh, a lot of them have, have been able to raise a lot of money, and um, with interest rates going up, and assuming the economy slows, which is is debatable, you're likely to see a, a pickup in in reorganizations taking place. And then looking, okay, now ahead further into this year, and what situations or funds specifically should we expecting to hear about um, in the near future? I mean, we, we write a lot of and we hear a lot about um, Elliott um, as such a big player in this market, but um, are there any other funds that we should be really looking out for, perhaps new new players as well? Well, sure. Um, well, first of all, let's talk about some of the older players. I mean, Starboard Value is one we really need yeah. to keep an eye on. Um, they've already um, launched several campaigns since the beginning of, or the end of 2019, and uh, into um, into this year, uh, Cars.com, Dollar Tree, I mentioned, um, Magellan Health, they have a big stake in there and said they're going to be monitoring the situation. Um, another case that's come up that's pretty interesting is Blue Mountain um, at PG&E, the, the utilities company that has just filed for mm-hmm. bankruptcy uh, for protection from the um, litigation resulting from the wildfires out in California. Uh, Blue Mountain is uh, threatening to overthrow the board of directors uh, even though the company's already in, just filed for Chapter 11 um, bankruptcy, which will be very interesting to see how they proceed on that, um, given that that's very rare and uh, bankruptcy law tends to preclude um, the corporate governance law. But it'll be interesting to see it. We just saw another case, uh, Ashland Global, uh, with um, Cruiser Capital, 
just reached a settlement and uh, engaged Capital, which just won a proxy fight with um, Del Frisco's restaurant chain. Today just nominated three directors for um, a company called Benchmark Electronics. So, you know, we are seeing smaller funds coming in there and uh, looking for opportunities and, uh, you know, making demands where they see the opportunities. Mm. And uh, we expect to see more of that going forward. Um, just going back to the Blue Mountain PG&E bankruptcy case, that sounds particularly interesting. As you said, it's it's an unusual situation. What um, yes. If bankruptcy law precludes that sort of um, activity anyway, what could be the motivations there to get involved at such a late stage in a company's history? Mm. Good question. Um, and a lot of people are asking that question. <laughs> uh, Blue Mountain, uh, you may recall, actually made a bit of a name for itself a few years ago in the so-called London Whale um, scandal, uh, well, I shouldn't say scandal, when um, they bet against, I believe it was uh, JP Morgan, um, and uh, and made a, a great deal of money um, on that trade. Uh, and so, but, you know, they made a big bet on, um, on PG&E just over last summer, and they put about $170 million into it. Uh, it was mm. shortly after that that um, the wildfire struck, uh, leading to this bankruptcy. So the share mm. price has fallen quite dramatically. It's down about $13. So they've lost about, on paper, about $100 million on this deal. That is not something that um, Blue Mountain wants to see remain as it is. And particularly their own investors are going to be asking them, you know, what are you going to do about it? We've lo- we're losing money here. So... You know, they need to be seen to be doing whatever they can to uh, to, to um, try to recoup some of their, their losses here. Uh, you know, whether they can or not is really hard to say. Uh, they, um, uh, you know, they say the bankruptcy laws typically frown on, on equity investors trying to get an un- what they might see as an undue influence over the reorganization process, particularly if it could uh, be detrimental to creditors, bondholders and the like. And this is a regulated company, which will add other issues to it. So, you know, one piece of speculation is that they're going to uh, use this this campaign not so much to get on the board, but uh, to get the, the bankruptcy courts to approve a creditor committee and, um, mm. so, and them possibly leading it. So maybe they could influence some of the outcome and, and get a better return for themselves. Sure. Sounds like a really interesting case. And there's clearly a lot to cover in 2019, Jason, even if activist funds might be feeling the pinch a bit this year um, or at the end of last year. But for today, that's all we've got time for. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing and reading more about the hottest disputes and boardroom clashes from you soon. Thanks for speaking with me, Jason. Thank you and goodbye. Jason Booth, senior reporter with MLEX, speaking to us there from our offices in New York City. We have a link to Jason's story summarising activists' investment for 2018 and the challenges that lie ahead for this year on the page where you found this podcast today. The headline for the article is Activist Funds Will Need to Enhance Their Own Value in 2019 as Redemptions Accelerate. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts for the latest from MLEX. If you rate and review the podcast, it will make it easier for other people to find us. But for now, from Jason Booth and me, Laurel Henning, goodbye.